Hello everyone, Dr. Julie here, and you are listening to my Coffee Chats podcast. I am a health researcher, PhD trained, and chef, self-trained, on a mission to leave the next generation and our planet a lot more of a healthier place. This is your space to ask questions on topics that no one seems to want to discuss, with information that is backed by research, along with a good dose of practical advice. Real talk, real people, real answers. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back everyone and in this week's episode I am giving you a sleep special. I'm going to cover some topics which I commonly get asked about and I'm quite passionate about just talking about sleep in general because it affects so many of us and this is parents and small children and I see so much conflicting advice about this and there is a massive gendered social norm that mothers are just expected to be exhausted, wake up all through the night and sleep deprived for many, many, many years and it's not okay. So What I'm going to cover in this episode is firstly the relationship between sleep deprivation, insulin resistance and how it drives some of our dietary choices and then what are some good suggestions around this. I'm going to cover the topic of can babies have protein at night and does it impact their sleep and then I want to finish with my top tips around how to actually get some sleep when you can't or what is the next best thing. So let's get into it. Looking at the relationship between sleep deprivation and insulin resistance is really important. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode on some of the definitions and the impact of insulin and insulin resistance carbohydrate, I would suggest you go back and listen because I think it'll be really helpful. I want to actually talk about what sleep deprivation is first and foremost. So sleep deprivation is defined as a loss of total hours of sleep, that's end to end, as well as broken sleep. And this is important because I see many mothers who have got through the first couple of years and are like, well, my baby sleeps through the night. Why am I so exhausted? So let's backtrack just a little bit further. Let's actually talk about what a full night of complete restorative sleep is. So a full night of deep sleep is when you go to bed when you feel tired, not when you've done the dishes and the washing and cleaned the lounge and answered all of your emails and all of the other 50 million things, when your body triggers you to feel tired, you go to bed and you will sleep right the way through until you need to wake up in the morning. Not when a child wakes you up, not when your alarm wakes you up, when your body is rested enough to wake up. That is what is required for a full night of complete deep restorative sleep. One night of sleep deprivation, so one night where you may have either broken sleep or you don't get that end-to-end sleep requires two full nights of that deep restorative sleep that I just described to reset your body back to its full hormonal status. 
Now, this is why women experience severe sleep deprivation or potentially forever because we're not getting that recovery period even after we experience that sleep deprivation. I mean, this is that was one night. And that's what's required to recover that. Now, you know, like when we're in our 20s, we do that by default. You know, we might have a big night out, but then we spend all Sunday recovering. We don't get that opportunity. And when you have a baby, you know, hitting birth, not only are you experiencing that sleep deprivation, but you actually need more rest and recovery because you are recovering from pregnancy and birth. Now, how this relates to insulin resistance that one night of sleep deprivation increases your insulin resistance. So that means that your body, in short, cannot tolerate as much carbohydrate and is going to struggle to do so. But you're so tired and exhausted. Guess what you crave and guess what's in abundance? And this is why it is not as simple as just tackling your diet or just tackling exercise when it comes to body composition, particularly after having a baby. And never mind body composition, what about your overall health and well-being? What about your energy levels? What about your ability to repair and recover and everything else that sleep is required? But I wanted to talk about this so that you understand that if you are struggling, there is some massive hormonal responses at the core of this. This also means that a place to start with your dietary intake is potentially looking at that balance of carbohydrate and fat because when you have high levels of insulin resistance, your body cannot tolerate as much carbohydrate. Now, the question you want to ask yourself is how much carbohydrate can I tolerate for where I'm at as opposed to how little can I have in my diet? And that's what we want to play around with. But it's worth looking at. And it's not just as simple as cut out carbohydrate and don't add an energy source. That's why we want to increase our fat and our good fat in our diet. And then yes, stay with me. I'm going to talk about protein and sleep for babies. But at the end, I also want to come back to this and what can we actually do when we're not getting that sleep or how can we do it. That's the relationship between insulin resistance and sleep deprivation, and it's really important. So number two, (laughs) my other big topic, which I'm really passionate about, and I just, you're going to hear a lot of frustration in my voice, and that's because I am so sick of the confusing and conflicting messages by health professionals or people that are meant to be helping parents who are in a very vulnerable state, giving advice that is well outside of their scope. Now, I just want to be clear, getting help with sleep and sleep with your babies is something that I highly recommend. We're not meant to have all of the answers. Unfortunately, the sleep industry here in New Zealand is so deregulated. And because it's deregulated, it means that effectively anyone can call themselves a sleep consultant. Anyone that has, they haven't even had any tertiary level training on any part of health and well-being, let alone specific to sleep. Now, it's okay if they're getting or giving advice on sleep, if they've 
had that and they've been given some training. But why are they then giving advice on food? I don't understand because that is so outside of their scope and they don't have the ability to even read or unpack peer-reviewed academic research to make some drawn conclusions on it. At the very least, you want to be really careful of someone that is giving advice that says, well, this, like X causes Y. And I've actually done a podcast on this too, because in science and research, that's not what we talk about. Never would we say, well, your child had protein at night and this causes them to wake up or has caused them to wake up. Because we don't know, we don't draw lines of causation in research. At best, we might say associated. And in this case, there is no association between protein at night and infants waking, which I'm going to unpack for you. But I just want you to try, and you shouldn't have to, because I know you're in a vulnerable state, but at least try to put a critical view on. And if you've got someone that's giving advice on a topic outside their scope, question it. And if you've got someone that's giving advice, which is implying X causes Y, even as a one-off, we want to be really careful of that because we would never even use one variable in science or one observation in science and research. Now, I know it's tricky and I get asked about sleep all the time, you know, but keeping in mind, I have done a PhD. It means that the breadth of what I've got to cover is significant. It means I've got the skills and the training on how to read research, to draw conclusions, to understand the peer-reviewed process. All of that is very different from someone who's done absolutely no level of tertiary-level training. And I do understand that there is a relationship between sleep and food, but we want to keep it to the facts, you know. And again, with sleep, unfortunately, and with infant sleep, there is a lot that happens outside the realm of science where we start to merge parenting styles and beliefs in amongst that. And that's what we want to be careful of. Hear how frustrated I am. And that's also because there's a lot of shame applied to sleep. There is. And it's not okay because it's it's actually resulting in a lot of damage for parents that are desperately trying to get some sleep. And I'm just going to be really, really straight. We do not have the peer-reviewed academic research to give any indication that a method called crying it out is to quote-unquote causing damage. And do you know how I know that? That's because we would never have an ethical committee, an ethics committee, give approval for a study like this. It took me 18 months to get through an ethics process for my PhD, and that was to measure 10 and 11-year-old children for measures such as blood pressure, weight, and height. We are not going to get an ethical study that shows this, right? So we want to be really, really careful here. It is okay to get help with sleep. It's okay to try things out with sleep. And at the end of the day, we want to do what's right for us. It doesn't mean that it's going to be right for everyone, but we don't need to apply shame with it. Now, back to the core question here, which is, can you give babies protein at night? Can you give them meat at night? And is it actually causing them to wake? No, 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 it doesn't. And in fact, 
we've got significant science to actually indicate that protein and iron is supportive of sleep. But let's look into this. Now, just to clarify, protein and meat. So obviously meat, the major macronutrient in meat is protein. So if we're saying babies can't have meat at night, then what about all the other sources of protein? Of course they can have that, right? So let's look at where it's commonly spoken about, which is can babies have protein at night? So protein is one of our three macronutrients, which is protein, carbohydrate, and fat. We require them in high volume every day, and this is for all human beings, because they are a major source of nutrients. They are one of our seven essential nutrients, protein. It means that our bodies cannot make it. We need to have it in our diet and we need to have it in a high volume. So, I mean, that does that in itself not say everything? Why would we not give it to an infant at night? Why would we withhold one of three major macronutrients for them? It's also where they derive everything that they need for growth and repair. And where does growth and repair happen? When they are asleep. Protein and iron, and our iron sources tend to come from our protein sources, are absolutely crucial in the release of melatonin. Now, melatonin is one of the key sleep hormones that gets stimulated and released from about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to help the body prepare for its nighttime rest and sleep and enabling babies and infants to get into their deepest REM sleep as possible. So when we actually don't give that, it means we're not supporting the body and its natural hormone response to kickstart that circadian rhythm. Just to add in on top, because there's the view that our babies cannot digest protein. Again, I'm not sure how, why, or where that has come from, because when we look at protein, if it's an essential nutrient, why would our body not have the enzymes to break it down? Now, this is very different from grains, which is a food group. It's not carbohydrate, it's grains. Remember, all grains are processed because we cannot eat them off the crop. So that is that is completely different. And I'm talking about this because obviously one of my key guidelines is to withhold grains for infants until they're closer to 10 to 12 months. Now, when we actually want to look at the amino acids in protein, some of the exact same amino acids that are in protein and meat, meat in particular, as in breast milk. So let's list them. So these amino acids are turine, glutamic acid, and glutamine. And in fact, glutamic acid and glutamine comprise nearly 50% of our total free amino acids in human breast milk. So if babies had a problem breaking down and digesting these, I mean, it doesn't make sense because they're in breast milk like where this is coming from I don't understand other than there needing to be a reason for babies waking at night which is a bit more easily solved than actually guiding our babies to join their sleep cycles so bottom line is that it's okay to give babies protein at night it's okay for them to have meat at night in fact they actually need it and if anything it's going to be supportive of their natural circadian rhythm. <sighs> right, 
hopefully that helps to answer your questions. And that's also the same for adults, by the way. We are exactly the same. Now, to go back to what can we do to actually help our bodies repair and recover when we are experiencing some severe sleep deprivation. I talk about the concept of something called active rest. And I want you to listen to this with an open mind because it's going to be challenging. And why is it going to be challenging? Because of that gendered social norm that we shouldn't be doing this. And part of the reason why I encourage the concept of active rest is because it's going to give you practice at overcoming this, okay? And I just have to say this as well because, again, I am so frustrated of seeing women in particular exhausted and sleep deprived. It is not your job to be the one to wake up through the night, Show me the rule book that says that. Yes, I understand there's some feeding implications with this, but you can still get help and support to do this. You have carried a baby for nine months. You have endured a physically demanding birth. You need as much repair and recovery time as possible. Yes, I understand that particularly in our heterosexual relationships that the quote-unquote man goes out and earns all the money and he's got a very important job to do that requires him to, you know, need sleep. But so do you. So do you. And in fact, you need it more because of what you've endured. And you are going to need more rest and recovery. So... Just really watch where you might be falling into some pretty damaging gendered norms. And I know it's not easy, but it's going to give you confidence to at least carve out some of this active rest time. So if you can't get sleep, and it's not as simple as we'll just sleep when the baby sleeps, because A, what do you do when you've got multiple children? Or you do actually have other, I'm just going to say life admin or paid work that you need to do in that time or even just to take care of your own well-being. Plus, sleep in the day is never going to be as restorative as at night because your circadian rhythm is working against you. So don't feel that, oh, well, you get to sleep in the day and that's that's making up for it, right? Keep in mind that, you know, full night of deep restorative sleep that you need. So what happens when you can't get this is we want to work at practicing some time where at least the rest of our body is actually engaging in some restorative activities. So that's shutting down as much as possible. And it may be half an hour. Now, I would encourage that this needs to happen ideally without being around your children or your baby or having someone else that's looking after the baby. Why? Because the minutes that you are on, and so even if your baby is sleeping, you're still on because you're going to be actively listening for when they wake up. That's quite different to, well, you've got half an hour, I'm here, I've got the baby, I'm going to come in and get you when your half an hour is up because it's going to enable your body to actually release from that heightened adrenal stage and that's still going to give it some rest. More importantly, you're starting to engage in that practice of I'm taking half an hour for myself in my day. When your day is 24 hours long, it is okay for you to have this. And I know it's really hard. As someone who has 
done motherhood without any support networks, without any family members, without a mother or a sister or anyone that can actually help me with this, I hand on heart know how challenging and how difficult it is. But it's still really important because it's not going to get better, it's going to get harder. So starting with that, you know, it might be half an hour at a coffee shop. It might be that, you know, your partner is able to come home and actually take the baby out for half an hour. So you get that time without the baby. If possible, if resources allow, engaging in something that's going to really put back into you, like a massage or an osteo appointment or a chiro appointment, for example, it's going to hit a lot of boxes, not only in helping your body to repair with what it needs, but also to give it that switch off time. And it's going to help to reduce inflammation and force that those adrenals to, to relax. I also just want to say that if you do need sleep, and I wished I had known this with my first, even if you are feeding or you're needing some support with feeding, that this is still okay for it to come first. It is. It's okay to make a choice to move to formula or to bottles in order to get sleep. That doesn't make you a bad mother. That makes you someone that is recognizing a core need to enable you to keep being a good mother, the best mother that you can be. Practicing this active rest is helpful. And look, if every day is too hard, start with once a week, half an hour once a week. Don't worry about what you're doing in that time. It's about the time. And ideally it needs to, and I use the words non-negotiable because it needs to happen in that time. Even if that day changes, you need to know that it's that it's there and it's important. If you're struggling with this, check in why. What is the messaging? What are you saying to yourself? What are the barriers? And there's some magic in that. And as I said, please hear my voice, you know, as someone who is now 11 years down the track and someone who has seen so many mothers, who has seen the long-term implications of this as well. You know, sleep is one of those three massive cornerstones along with purpose which is our fourth one you know it is equally important you could be eating all the vegetables in the world you could be doing all the exercise and I'm I know I'm going to need to to jump back on and, and talk about insulin resistance and stress and exercise but all of that is only going to have a limited effect on your overall well-being again let alone body composition if you're still in a state of severe sleep deprivation so start there ideally have some time off your social media devices so whether it's reading a book or doing something that is slightly restorative like having a bath or having a shower or whatever it is that you know fills your cup up you know for some people you might need some cues like using a um, like oil diffuser it's something that I've been using to help my own sleep at this stage because of my hearing loss you know there are things that can be positive associations with you but first and foremost you need to know that you're worth it that you deserve it that it's not a want it's an actual need and that it is going to help your overall well-being 
again, if you've got any questions on this or you want me to dive further into any other aspects of this, uh, please let me know. Fire through on emails or DMs. And I'm going to keep talking about this because it's important. And yes, I'm going to keep challenging those social norms in that as well. Okay, so just to summarize, some of the things that we've talked about in our sleep special is that sleep deprivation is both not getting that end-to-end sleep as well as the broken sleep, and it has a very real impact on our insulin resistance. A lower carbohydrate diet and potentially a higher fat intake can help while we're navigating this. Can babies have protein at night? Yes, yes and yes, and be very careful about who you're getting advice from, particularly with starting solids or food advice for babies but it's okay to get help with sleep and in fact I would encourage that and in terms of active rest what can you do when you can't get the sleep start with the practice of half an hour ideally each day but if that's too overwhelming start with once a week you are worthy of it and I also just want to add that the reason that I have set up the retreats is to help with this because I know how hard and challenging it is and we had to take a little bit of a break with COVID but we're back and I'm doing them with CARES and we've got one coming up in February and there's still a couple of spots and then we've got one in winter and again I know how hard and challenging it is to do something like this but sometimes you need that structure or need to know that it's there or that it's coming in the future so yes on these retreats you get two full nights of sleep you can sleep for as long as you want to in your own room in a bed that you haven't made magical right All of the nutritious food is lovingly prepared by us and you get both Kaz and I doing a morning session unpacking all sorts of things with you. So check that out. We've got a couple of spots in Feb and we've got our winter one as well. We've got payment plans and we can juggle those around. The most important thing for us is you guys actually taking that time for yourselves and we would love you to join us. So, That's it for our sleep special. I'm going to see you same time, same place next week. I just want to do a shout out to our incredible sponsor, 06 Coffee. As you all know, I am coffee obsessed. And 06 is a local New Zealand company, also very waste conscious. Coffee does not ask questions. Coffee understands. And coffee gives you five minutes peace in the chaos, which I really hope you get today. Please use the code 1506 for 15% off. That's it for this week's episode. If you do have a question, please drop it into the contact page of my website or a DM on Instagram. Everything from food, well-being, business, motherhood and life questions are answered here. I do really hope you get in a peaceful cup of coffee or at least take some time to yourself today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast to keep up to date and make sure you don't miss an episode. Until next week, with love, Dr Julie.